Hallelujah. Let's give that to Jesus because he's deserving. I said, let's give it to Jesus because he's deserving. He's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of the glory. He's worthy of the honor. We praise you today, Lord. Amen. Thankful for what we feel in this house. Sweet touch of the Lord is already in this place. And I give him glory today. You may be seated. In a moment, we'll be going to the book of Nahum chapter 1. Nahum chapter 1. I want to say what a privilege it is to be in the house of God, amongst the people of God. Thankful to be in the house of God. Something about his presence, something about his spirit is, is transformative, is an empowering, is life-changing. Amen. It is history rewriting about being in the house of the Lord. Thankful for his presence. It's here, the sweet touch of the Lord. Thankful that my family is with me this evening. And man, I love my wife and my five children. God has blessed me with a wonderful family, and they travel with me, and we had started our journeys on Sunday, and uh, reached in eastern Tennessee, not too far from Kingsport, and uh, the Lord was good to us there, and finished up there, and began journeying, and then late last night, got back into Tulsa, and uh, texted your pastor this morning, he'd asked me. Let him know when I came back in so we can get lunch. And did that this morning, and, and uh, you know the rest of the story already. And uh, we are here, and I believe we are here in the divine will and mind of God. God knows how to work, He knows how to move, He knows how to speak, He knows how to preempt things, He knows how to upend things. He's a God that's in control. Even when we are not in control, he is in control. He is the God of all flesh. There is nothing that's too difficult for him. And he is at work. And I tell you that even in your difficulty, he is at work. In the storm, he's at work. In the stress, he's at work. In the unknown, he is at work. He is at work. Sometimes, um, I feel like I'm already in the vein here, sometimes God has to do some things that are seemingly backward in order to move us forward. But if we trust Him and trust His plan and trust His process, you'd be amazed at what He would be able to do. And I feel like that God would like to work on us today and give us some encouragement and strength and some understanding. I kind of feel that God would like to release somebody that's been under a burden for a little while of questioning because of misunderstanding the ways of God, the time of God, the things of God. And in that there would become such a clarity and a purpose that there would be a reigniting of zeal and passion for the things of Him. And I tell you that I, I, I'm glad that 2023 is finished. Let me just put it that way. 2023 was a year of contrast. They were a year that God did great things, but it was also a year where a lot of dark things happened. Anybody was there last year? 
is one of those ones that was 50-50. In there, you can't say that one, one, one over the other. The fact that we are still here lets us know that God is for us. Amen. That David said it this way, by this I know that God is for me because my enemy has not triumphed over me. And can I tell you, in spite of all the spiritual opposition and every demonic force and every work of witchcraft and evil and demonic darkness and political pressure, the church is still here. The people of God are still going forward. The name of Jesus is still being exalted. The work of God is still going forward. The power of God is not depleted. Neither is it ended or near bankruptcy or finality. But we are going forward in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And last year was a year of, 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 a, lot of a lot of turmoil in my life. My father passed away in the month of March unexpectedly as a symptom or a, a, a symptom of a, a surgical problem. And, uh, and a blood clot that formed afterwards and wasn't expecting that to happen. Mighty man of God, greatly used of God. And, and uh, when his term came to a sudden end, uh, you, you sort of feel the unnerving of life, knowing that now you're, you're, you're first on the line. Amen. You're taking place. You're stepping up. You're moving forward. And sometimes in that you begin to question yourself, begin to question God, am I really ready or prepared for what is happening and what's going to go? Can I tell you that in the midst of it all, I have seen God be so true and God be so real. Even in the midst of personal trial and circumstance and storm. Can I tell you that God is not a respecter of persons, but would God do it for me, he will do it for you. And he's a God who has exceeding power and authority. And he does all things well. I can tell you of assurance that some of the greatest miracles that I've ever seen in my life, in my ministry, happened over the last nine months. Some of the greatest moves of God that I have ever been a part of have happened over the last nine months. And it's not because of me. It's because God is doing a newer and a greater thing. And if I can encourage the first, first Pentecostal Church of Tulsa here as we go into 2024 is not to be stationary in your disappointment and not to be satisfied in the status quo and not just to find equilibrium in the midst of the fight. But if we can look and expand our faith and focus our attention on our God who can do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think, then something divine and wondrous and deep and mighty and miraculous can occur in our life. And I want the demons of hell to know. And I want the spirits of hell that try to rule Tulsa and Tulsa County and Creek County to know that we still serve a God whose promises are still yea and amen. Amen. What he promised, he is able to perform. And it doesn't matter how many darknesses are aligned or how many spirits are entrenched or how long they have been here or how many curses have been performed. The God that I serve is able to steamroll every spirit and uproot every darkness and remove every barrier.
because he's God. He's God. Woo! He is God. And he is not a man that he should, he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. But he's still able to do it. And I praise him today. You may be seated. Since I was here last, in the month of December, the Lord allowed me and my son to travel over to the uh, continent of Africa, namely the nations of Kenya and Ethiopia and western Kenya and southern Ethiopia and, and uh, life-changing. We, I have been there before a number of times. been 15 years since my last travels there. And seeing God work and move and uh, near, not too far from about an hour and 15 minutes northwest of Kisumu, a little town called Kwazaro uh, National Youth Conference in Kenya, and watched God over four days fill 69 young people with the gift of the Holy Ghost. 104 were baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of their sins. Numerous people healed of sickness and maladies in their body. And every service, it seemed like one or two or sometimes three that were possessed with spirits and demonics, demonic curses and, and family spirits were removed from them and left full of the Holy Ghost and delivered and empowered. These signs shall still follow them that believe. I still believe the word of God. It's not, he's not the God of yesterday only, but he's the God of today and he is the God of tomorrow. His promises have not changed, though the calendar has turned. He's still able to do it. And watch God do that again in Ethiopia. Don't have numbers for you. They really don't matter. But many were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, supernatural signs, and wonders occurred. And since I've got back in the United States, I've watched God do it time and time again. Amen. The, the uh, Wednesday right after Christmas, all two young people received the gift of the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. Amen. On Sunday, this Sunday previous, which this two days ago, two were baptized in Jesus' name. One received the Holy Ghost in the water. As they come out, there's still power in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's still power in the name of Jesus. He is able to do it. And I believe that God can and wants to do it again in this house. Amen. He is a wonderful God. Amen. Book of Nahum chapter 1. Give honor to uh, Elder or your pastor, Dykes. Thank you for the invitation. Thank you for who you are. Amen. In Pentecost, thank you for your ministry, and uh, when I was a young person about Trey's age, it was one of your pastor's uh, sermons. He preached a sermon in, in a, on a Sunday morning. I was about 16 years of age and had had the Holy Ghost for over 10 years, living in, a, in an area that was uh, not perfect and, uh, and in a time where a uh, number of young people were struggling, and uh, I w wanted to live for God. That was my desire. had friends that were uh, on the bubble, not for sure what they were wanting to do, and it was a message that your pastor preached that Sunday morning that changed my life and, and fulfilled that, that part of conversion. 
and uh, in it. And I thank God and I give honor to you and thank you for being obedient to the word of the Lord on that Sunday morning. It brought me down to an altar and there were some changes and some promises made. And when I got up, things were different. Things looked different. Amen. My joy was complete. My soul was satisfied. My spirit was satiated. There was a, a part in me that says, to whom shall I go? I have no other place to return to. I've made up my mind. Can I tell somebody here, you may be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, but there needs to come a time somewhere at an altar, somewhere in a prayer meeting where you say, God, from here on out, I'm 100% yours. I'm not flirting with the world. I'm not looking for an easy way out. I'm not up for the highest bidder, but I am surrendered to you. I'm telling you that the battle will end, the joy will be complete, and the storm will be over when you commit to God 100%. Oh, I feel the preach here today. Amen, amen, amen. Are y'all going to help me tonight? Amen. Book of Nahum chapter 1 and the book of Ezekiel chapter 18. Nahum chapter 1 and verse starting with verse 2. And also the book of Ezekiel chapter 18 and looking at verse 29. Amen. I have a word that I have been in praying around uh, the sanctuary today. The Lord began to speak to me and I want to do my best to be obedient to the voice and the mind of the Lord. It would be easy to be distracted, be easy to fall into the plan and the trap of hell in order just to do what would, what would seemingly be expedient and would, it would give a temporary reprieve. I want to give somebody some direction today, and I want to give somebody an answer to their prayer. Book of Nahum, chapter 1, starting with verse 2, it says, God is jealous, the Lord revengeth, the Lord revengeth and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance upon his adversaries, and he reserveth wrath for his enemies. It's pretty powerful, and I want to say this, that it does matter whose side you are on, and it does matter who is your Lord and your God and what you do and what you say. For God will revenge, and God will take vengeance. The Bible says in verse 3 that the Lord is slow to anger. He is great in power. He will not at all acquit the wicked. And there's something to be learned of that. It's also something that is repeated in the writings of Solomon. He said, because vengeance does not come speedily, therefore it is set in the hearts of men to do wicked. And the Bible said that God is slow to anger and great in power and will not acquit the wicked. And so God gives a space of repentance and God gives a time for mankind to yield his life to the authority, the pureness, the power, and the righteousness of God. But after that time is over, the Bible said, the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. And the clouds are the dust of his the Lord have his way in the whirlwind. The book of Ezekiel chapter 18 and verse 29, Ezekiel prophesying to the house of Israel, and he said, Yet saith the house of Israel, The way of the Lord is not equal 
O house of Israel, are not my ways equal and are not your ways unequal, saith the Lord. God is looking at a, at a group of men and women who are looking at God and said, we don't understand you, your practice, uh, your ascent, your plan, your design, and what you're doing in the moment. And that is often the case of humanity. We don't know the wisdom, the execution, the plan, and the performance of God. And sometimes we could look at the middle and the beginning of a thing and say, God, I don't understand what you're doing. Your ways are not equal. But God wants to remind somebody here that his ways are equal. And our ways are not equal. The book of Psalms chapter 77 and verse 13. And I know I'm reading a lot of scripture here in the beginning. But I need and I'll launch quickly here tonight to preach. The book of Psalms chapter 77 and verse 13. David is writing. He said, thy way, O God, is in the sanctuary. For who is so great a God as our God? David is writing to those that would follow after him and those that are following his lead in this time. And he said, God, your way is in the sanctuary. And there's something about being in the sanctuary of the Most High God. Something about being in the tangible presence of the Almighty. There's something about the moving of his spirit, the preaching of the word, that sanctifying strength that comes as we sing the songs of Zion that gives solace to our soul and gives strength to our spirit. There's something about the way of God that's in the sanctuary. And I've come to preach today to those that are in this place that need to know and be reacquainted with the ways and the presence of the Lord to receive an answer and direction in life. I know the storm has been tough and the way has been rough and the waves are high and things are going topsy-turvy. But I want to remind you that while you are here that God God will give you an answer and God will give you direction and God will strengthen you right here in his house because his ways are in his sanctuary. Can we put our Bibles down right now and lift our hands to heaven? God of heaven, we love you and praise you and thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for your spirit that we feel. We thank you for your anointing that makes your word to live. Now God, as I bring the bread of life today to the hungry and thirsty soul. I pray that you'd take that coal from off the altar and touch it to my lips and my mind and my spirit and empower me with that anointing to break through the darkness and the barriers of mind and soul and bring hope to that soul that is forlorn and bring strength to that spirit that is weak. Lord, I pray today that you would touch me and touch your people. Lord, but 
don't only just touch me with the coal of that anointing. I pray that that same coal would touch the ears of the hearer and do more than just tickle the fancy for a moment, but bring understanding and enlightenment. And at the entrance of your word, bring light. And Lord, let that soul live and respond and leave here vibrant in vitality. We praise you and thank you for what you're doing and what you've done. And when it's all said and done, we'll be careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In the name of Jesus, can we put our hands together in faith and expectation and belief and praise to our God. Have your way here today. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I was reading and I've always thought about this. The Lord has his way in the sanctuary. And I can agree that God has his way in the sanctuary. There's something about the house of God, something unique and special, supernatural and powerful about the house of God. When you enter to this building, this is not just another a, a, a gathering of the ecclesia. This is more than just a country club of the believers, but there's something about the house of God. There's something about a, a house that is dedicated to the name of the one true living God, the one that is created is dedicated to our creator and our savior. God likes to appear in our midst. God's presence comes down in a tangible way. We might not be able to see it or measure it on a scientific scale, but there's something about his presence that our soul, our spirit, and even our flesh can begin to sense. Some of us, as we come into the house of God, we feel the changing uh, uh, changing pressure. We began to feel the pressures of the outside world began to be removed and peace now comes where there are storms on the outside. And as we stand in the house of the Lord and lift up our hands and begin to praise him, the spirit of God begins to sweep our emotions which are hard and dead because of life circumstances began to be touched and our tears began to trickle down our face and we lift up hands in surrender and the presence of God begins to speak peace where there is storm begins to give power where there is weakness begins to bring deliverance where there is bondage there's something about the house of God and there's something about this place that is dedicated to the preaching and the teaching of God's word I have not come to tickle your fancy I have not come to tickle you under the chin and say that oh how good that you are because the word of God sometimes has to be like a hammer. The word of God sometimes has to confront us in our wickedness, in our sin, in our evil. I have come to affirm you, but I have come to confirm the word of God, to speak what has been spoke throughout the ages, to declare once again what the prophets have foretold and what Jesus preached and the apostles taught, that there's still only one way to be saved, and that can be found in the book of Acts.
Acts chapter 2 and verse 38 when Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, your children, and all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And there's something about that message of salvation that confronts us in our sin, in our iniquity, that says, do you want to be free from your slavery to sin, from your vices, your iniquities, your fleshly bondages, and your ties to the demonic? There's something about that preaching that begins to break chains and destroy yokes. I tell you what it did in your life and what it did in my life. It caused me to leave the comfort of my pew. It caused me to leave the station of my yesterday and come down to an apostolic altar and said, God, I realize all that I've done and all the wrong that I've committed and all the sin that I've been party to is against you. But I don't want to live this way anymore. I want to be free. I want to be clean. I want to be holy. I want to be sanctified. And I tell you what God did. He didn't leave us in our mess. He didn't confine us to our yesterday. He didn't set us aside in our darkness. But his blood came down and began to wash us from our head to our toes, from our yesterday to our present. And he made us clean. He made us pure. He gave us a fresh start and a new chance. He made us new children. He set us free. He loosed the bonds that held us bound. Something about the word of God. (laughs) Something about the power of the name of Jesus. Something about the authority of his presence. Something about the glory of his word. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Can I tell you, that's why the devil doesn't like apostolic churches. Because we don't just make excuses for the Bible. We still believe in its authority and its power. Because if you try to make up to darkness, then the darkness wins. The only way that darkness doesn't prevail is by shining the light right in the midst of it. And I'm just going to get loose here for a few moments. It doesn't matter how much darkness is in your light. I serve a God that can pierce the darkness with the breath of his light. I serve a God who started doing it back in Genesis chapter 1 where God said let there be light. And it didn't matter how much evil was on the world. It didn't matter that it was the dominion of darkness and the demonic. God said I'm going to start something here. And he let the light come out of darkness. I want to preach to somebody here. It may be somebody you know. Maybe it's your own experience right now that that light of God's truth can break the darkness that's in your light. You don't need witchcraft. You don't need scented candles. You don't need spells. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the blood. You need the sanctifying work of Calvary to free your life. And God is still able to set you free. He can. He will. He's able. That light still comes out of darkness. 
darkness tries to hold it, but you, darkness cannot hold the light. Something about the power of that light. Oh, the light came out of darkness. I could preach for a little while on that, but I need to get to my subject here today. Something about the power and the authority of the preaching. Amen. Paul said, I would not known sin unless I known the law. And something about anointed preacher. He can say things that most other preachers would, would pass around and would just tiptoe through the tulips. But you can't be free from fornication until you're confronted about your fornication. And you can't be free from your perversion until you're confronted about the deepness and the darkness and the, and, and the abyss that's waiting you because of your perversion. You cannot be free from the lying and the molesting and the evil and the iniquity unless somebody says only God can set you free at an altar of repentance. And you as a church, every time your man of God begins to preach, it may get uncomfortable. You may see people get mad and try to find a fight against it. But there ought to be a hearty age man that comes from the pew there ought to be somebody standing up and say preacher go ahead and preach because if it saved me it'll save them and if it saved one generation it'll save another if it saved the white it'll save the black it'll save the Hispanic the Chinese and the Native American because God is not a respecter of person there's still only one way to be saved and Jesus said I I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. He still has the power. He still has the authority. Something about the power of his word. God has his way in the sanctuary. I love God. I love his authority. I still believe that God's a miracle worker. Anybody believe that with me here today? God is a miracle worker. If you've seen a miracle in the last six months, would you lift your hand right now and wave it? <laughs> yeah, I'm not talking about just a headache disappearing. I'm talking about a God uh, that can straighten a crooked back. I'm talking about a God uh, that can heal uh, a limb that is handicapped. I'm talking about a guy that God uh, that can remove cataracts from eyes. I'm talking about a God uh, that can put hearing back in the ear. That's my God, and he's able. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost here. Oh, I feel him here. Just six weeks ago, a man stood up in the sanctuary, an older man. He's been wearing a back brace for almost two years. I've seen him writhe with pain on the pew as he was faithful to the house of God. But it was in a service like this. It wasn't a Sunday night service. It was a midweek service that somehow we all got connected and the Spirit of God began to move and God began to have his way in the sanctuary. I began to watch him rock back and forth. I began to watch him grab the edge of the pew and began to dance. And finally, I watched it as the healing power came and the pain left. And he stood up a week and a half later. He said, I haven't had any pain since. He said, I took off the back brace. I haven't been taking the medicine because God healed me. And I want to remind you today that we serve a God that's still able 
able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh within us. God still has his way in his sanctuary. Hallelujah. You may be seated. It was Sunday afternoon after I finished preaching, after the baptism was completed. A man probably in his 70s, about 75, he made his way over to this side of the pulpit. I thought he just wanted to shake my hand. But as I began to reach for his hand, I realized he had a piece of paper in his hand. I thought it was sometimes they give me text, want the text whatever. And, and I looked at it and I began to realize uh, that there was writing on it. It wasn't a phone number. It wasn't a, it was a, it wasn't a, a friendship request. Uh, but he said, preacher, he said, I lost my wife this year to cancer. Uh, and he said, I've been diagnosed with stage four prostate cancer. And he said, I'm unable to talk. That's why I wrote this note. Would you please pray for me? Uh, and I, uh, and my heart immediately went out to this man who'd been through a lot of dark darkness in this year and began to pray for him. I didn't know how to pray. I prayed against the cancer. I asked God to comfort him and touch him. I prayed until I felt God began to move. As we finished, I was wiping my eyes and I looked down and he's looking at me and I began to hear something that I didn't hear before and he began to talk and he began to talk out loud. I said, wait a second. What's that? He said, I haven't been able to talk for months. He said, God just released my voice and healed me. I'm not talking about a pie in the sky. I'm not talking about a sham magician trick. I'm talking about a God that's able to loose vocal cords and give them voice. God's way is still in the sanctuary. Let's take a moment and feel after the Lord. I feel faith rising in this building. Uh, God can do anything. You're in his house. This is the place where he does his greatest works. Right in the midst of his people. For God's ways are in his sanctuary. I bless your name today, God. I worship you. I worship you. I worship you today, Jesus. I give you glory. I give you honor. I give you praise. You're able to do it. Hallelujah. Those are just a few things God's able to do. No, I remember. I was about my son's age, 12 years of age, right here in the middle of the church. And I watched as God was bringing this couple out of the world and into the church. Their life was rough, drug background, alcoholic addiction, number of kids. And we didn't understand the story, but God was doing something great there. And right at the end of the service, she brought forth her son. And she said, Pastor, would you pray for him? My dad didn't know the story. He didn't know how to pray. But he laid his hands upon him. He said, God, you know the need that's in this child's body. I'm asking, Lord, that you would touch him and minister to his needs. And then the church began to pray. 
praying. And you know those feelings as virtue begins to flow in a congregation. Hey, man, we got done praying and just said, well, we'll see what the Lord has done. This lady was touched. She grabbed her son and she said, son, I love you. And right at that moment, he looked back at his mom and he said, I love you too, mom. To us, that's nothing. But can I tell you what we didn't know is that lady got up and started jumping and screaming, God has healed my son. God has healed my son. He was 100% deaf and had had muteness in his tongue. And God healed both in a matter of moments. I want to remind First Pentecostal Church, we serve a God of the living. We serve a God of now. We serve a God who's more than able. He can and he will. He is a faithful, powerful God. You may be seated. Had a friend of mine backslid at the time, had a three-month-old son. He called me up. He said, would you think that your dad would pray for my son? I said, sure, Daniel, and bring him on. And so it was on the Saturday night, I believe, had a prayer meeting. He brought his son up to get prayed for. No, I'm sorry, it was a Sunday morning. I apologize. He brought him up to be prayed for. I did not know that his son had a club foot. His one foot was turned 180. 80 degrees. The doctor said it's going to take at least three surgeries in order for us to get him back to normal. But we began to pray and my man of God laid hands upon that boy and we don't know exactly when it happened but I can tell you what we saw when he handed that boy back to Daniel Baker and that is that that boy's one foot was straight as the other one and that boy never had to have a surgery, never had to go to another doctor to get another brace because God is still able. His ways are in the sanctuary. His power is still true and real. Uh, I serve a God. I feel him right now. I'm going to brag on him right now. (laughs) Devil don't got this power, but my God has this power. Uh, I've seen it two times in my life. You may be seated. I remember once we were coming near the end of the service. Ten-year-old girl standing over here, not too far from where the drums would be. Uh, standing near the end of service. And we're praying the dismissal prayer. And all of a sudden we hear a thud. And look over and this girl is lifeless. Nurses came. There wasn't a light. There wasn't a heartbeat. There wasn't a pulse. There was a puddle where she had already vacated her back. She was dead instantly there upon the the floor. But the church began to pray. And can I tell you, it didn't take more than about 30 seconds. Then that girl opened her eyes and said, where am I? They went and took her back to to get a drink of water. And she was whole. She's still living today. I tell you that Ansley Mullins was brought back from the dead. I'm not talking about some no name. I know the name. I know the place. I was there. And there's a hundred that can testify to what they saw because my God's ways are still in the sanctuary. He's able to do it. Uh, Saw an older lady about the same thing. 
sat there in our foyer, passed away. No, they called the life squad, but the pastor got there before the EMTs, and he said, God is not right that death would claim one here in your sanctuary. Bring her back to life. And can I tell you what happened? Jackie Roush opened her eyes. She said, I feel kind of weak, but she stood up. She marched out to the EMT squad. They did the check on her. They took her there. They said, we can't find anything wrong. And she's still living now, eight years later. That's the power of my God. That's the authority of his name. And that's the promise that's still alive for those that believe. He's able to do it. And I believe that God's ways are in his sanctuary. Right here. Anything can happen. Anything can happen in this place. Because my God is able. My God is able. Look at somebody beside you and tell them Jesus is able to do anything that you need. Jesus is able. Jesus is able. That was kind of quiet. That'd be okay for a Baptist church, but this is an apostolic Pentecostal church. Amen. Sometimes we need to exercise our faith by lifting our voice and exclaiming to the top of our lungs, Jesus is still able. God, I believe. God, I believe. God, I believe. You're still able. You're still able. You're still able. You're still able. You may be seated. There's a time I wanted God to do it and he didn't. But just because he didn't one time doesn't mean he won't now. Just because he didn't do it in one circumstance or one one life or one situation doesn't mean he won't do it now. Sometimes there's a perfect will of God that needs to be accomplished. we got to trust God in the midst of it. And that brings me to my second point here. This is something that has really been racking my brain. Something that's been moving in my spirit. Nahum said that God has his way in the whirlwind. Seemingly two contrasting things that God has his way in the sanctuary where there's healing and wholeness and completeness, where there's change and transformation, where there is bringing together and there is enlightenment and revelation. I understand that, but it's harder for us to wrap our mind around God having his way in the whirlwind. And that's where a lot of people without faith get lost, get lost in the weeds, get lost in confusion because they don't realize that even in the storms of life and even in the troubles of our days that God can still have his way. Can I speak to you plainly today that God would love to have his way in the sanctuary. That's where God wants to do his best work. That's where God wants to show himself strong. That's where God wants to prove himself 
powerful, but there are times that we get in a spiritual state, in our stubbornness, in our pride, in our flesh, where we press back against the hand of God and say, God, I can solve this problem. I'm my own man. I'm creating my own destiny. I'm doing my own thing. Some people shake their hands in the heaven. Some people know God's ways, but yet live their own ways. And so God, in spite of his desire to help them in his sanctuary, is only left with one recourse. God is only left with one option, and that is to have his way in the whirlwind. Can I tell you, the whirlwind was not God's first option. The whirlwind was in God's original plan, but God doesn't just have one plan A. He also has plan B and C and D and E and F. And it matters matters not to him if you learn it and everything is taken care of in A or B or B or C. All that matters is that he has his way because it's not God's will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. It's not God's will that we continue our sin or live in our stubbornness but God will do whatever it takes to bring humanity to his knees to bring a soul to the realization that I need salvation that I need deliverance I need somebody greater than myself to break the chains of my past and the yoke of my sin off of me and so God will let the storm come to stir a soul to break us down to find a place where we say God, I give. I don't know what I'm doing, but I need you. I need you. Can I tell you that God would like to deal with us as children? But sometimes God has to deal a little strongly more with us because we act as, as entitled brats. We act as petulant children. We say, God, we want it our way. But God's way is best. God's way is perfect. God knows the plans that he has for us. He knows what's going to happen in our tomorrow. And he cannot let us continue in our sin and in our stubbornness and let the blessings come when we would just break the toys and the blessings that he would give us and so God has to let the storm come in our life to bring us back to the place where we said God we're tired of the storm but I want back in that relationship I want back in that holy intimacy I want back in that place where you could speak to me through the whisper of your voice in prayer That's what God wants to do. But God can't always speak to us in a whisper. Sometimes he's got to use the storm. I feel like getting a little tight in here. But I've got to preach what God put upon my heart today. I've got to preach to someone here to let you realize that the storm is not to punish you. No, the storm is to reorient you. The storm is to bring you back to center, back to square one, back to a deeper relationship, back to pure worship, back to submission to authority, 
back to living according to the laws, the commandments, and precepts of the Almighty. God is in the storm, and the storm will continue as long as you try to resist it. But God wants me to say today to somebody that the storm can end tonight. The storm can end with a bowed knee and a lifted hand and say, God, I know that you're in control, that you do all things well. You know what is best and your ways are perfect. God, if you'll get me out of this storm, I'll get back to your sanctuary. I'll get back to that worship. I'll get back to the place where the zeal of your house heats me up. Whirlwind, whirlwind. Uh, the Lord has his way in the whirlwind. Uh, began to think in my spirit. And God brought me back to the first book that was ever written in your Bible. It wasn't Genesis, though it tells of what happened in the first days. The first book in your Bible that was written was the book of Job. The Bible said that Job was a perfect man, righteous, and he eschewed evil. But there came a time of testing. There came a time when God needed to bring Job back to where he needed to be and so it was right in the middle of these things that the Bible said that God allowed the Sabians to come and God allowed this tribe to steal of the camels and the donkeys and all of these things till finally at the last the Bible said the servant came and he said all of your sons and daughters were making merry and a great wind came and flattened the house I don't understand why God had to go that far in order to adjust Job. But God was having his way in the whirlwind. Job could have cursed God and died. Job could have walked away from his faith. But there was some resilience in his spirit. There was some deeper knowledge in his heart. There had been times of holy intimacy where Job knew that God doesn't do anything foolish or crazy, but sometimes the storm comes to change us, to make us what we should be. And so Job went through days and weeks of mental torment. His wife tried to leave him, saying, curse God and die. His four friends come and said, you're a wicked man, you're unrighteous. But he held on to his faith. He stood fast by his convictions and can I tell you why oh why while he was standing there doing right the Bible said and I believe it's chapter 35 and you can see another instance in chapter 38 of the book of Job that the Bible said that God began to talk to Job out of the whirlwind that thing that started the storm was the thing that was going to finish the storm. I want to preach to somebody here today that if you stop the process now, you'll never get the answer. If you stop in faith now, you'll never realize the reason why God is allowing things to occur in your life. But there's something about putting one foot in front of the other. Coming to church when you don't feel like coming to church. 
being obedient when it seems like rebellion is an easier way. But I'm telling you, if you cop out and leave early, you'll never get the voice of God. You'll never get the reason. You'll never get the blessing. You'll never get the restoration that God wants to bring at the tail end of the storm. And I've come to preach to somebody today. I feel the unction of the Holy Ghost that you're not that far. Maybe even tonight from hearing the voice of the Lord come out of the whirlwind and begin to speak to you the answer that you need. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind. Shatalamokota. The whirlwind. Mm. Uh, some commentaries call it a hurricane. Others call it a tornado. I know both of them are unpredictable. I know some of them have debris fields that are over a mile wide. And sometimes some things are left alone and other things are down to the foundation. But God is in the whirlwind. And God knows how to direct things. God knows how to remove things in our life that would anchor us to our yesterday and keep us concreted to our carnality. But God has his way in the whirlwind. We don't need to question God, his authority, or his reason why. But we need to say, God, one thing that I know, you have never failed me. You have never left me. And I won't curse you, but I'm going to bless you because there's coming a moment that you'll speak to me out of the whirlwind is at the end of the whirlwind that God began to speak to Job he said where were you in the beginning and before Moses ever saw creation Job was starting to get a grand picture of how God started everything And before the science of biology and physics was ever put into motion in astronomy, God began to talk to him about the fire fan. God began to talk to him about the motion of the ocean, the hanging of the stars, the ball that's in the clouds. God began to reveal to him some things that no other man had known. And God only brought that to him at the tail end of the whirlwind. I feel the Holy Ghost here. Some things that you prayed for. God let me know you deeper. Let me know your power greater. Let me experience you in a divine way. We want it to be placid. We want sunny skies. We want 80 degrees every day with low waves. But sometimes God has to disrupt our picture perfect life with the whirlwind to bring us the revelation, the understanding and the anointing that it can only come by the trail of debris that happens by the whirlwind. Something about the whirlwind. How the whirlwind. Uh, I could preach a long time here today. 
We'll try to be kind. But you look at the prophet Elijah. Elijah who just had a Mount Carmel experience. 850 prophets of Baal and Ashtaroth dead. The fire falling from heaven. Taking up the sacrifice. The wood, the water, and the stones. But now Jezebel looks at him and she said, I'm going to take you out. Oh, you may have killed my prophets, but I'm going to kill you prophet. And she, in that, he got discouraged and he ran under the juniper tree and he said, God, I want to die. But it wasn't his time to die. He just needed some reorientation. He needed some things blown out of his life. And God gave him food and brought him to the top of Mount Horeb. And when he got to the top of Mount Horeb, what did he see? Yes, the mountain trembled. Yes, there was fire that was there. But the Bible said that after this, there was a whirlwind. And the voice spoke to him out of the whirlwind. And he said, what are you doing here? This ain't the end for you. I've got a plan and I've got a purpose and your life is not over. Your ministry is not through but I need you to start anointing the next generation. I need you to go find Jehu and put the anointing oil upon him. I need you to find Hazel and put the anointing oil upon him. Then I need you to find Elisha and say you're going to be prophet in my stead. There's something about that voice that comes out of the whirlwind when you feel like you're at a standstill when it feels like your ministry's at an end when it feels you like, like you hit a roadblock and life has stopped dead still there's something about the whirlwind that reactivates life there's something about the whirlwind that takes the bricks of the roadblock town and brings you back to the place of revelance, experience, and relationship. And God spoke to him out of the whirlwind. I've got to reading. Whirlwind, synonymous with great wind. I looked up those Hebrew terms. That term, and you mentioned it today. That term great wind means great breath. Something about the breath of God. In the beginning, the breath came when Adam was laying lifeless as just a clay figure on the ground after God finished forming him. But a wind came, breath came, and he became a living soul. Woo. I celebrate that because I know the great wind that came at Pentecost and allowed all of us who were dead in our trespasses and sins to live and become part of that second generation, that reincarnation, that next of what God was designing and desiring to do. We celebrate that because that wind brought us life. But there's something about that great wind called the whirlwind that brings 
second life. That brings that second wind. That brings that second purpose to that young person. That person who failed. That person who lost direction. That person that fell out of faith. Woo! Something about that whirlwind that comes. That breathes something back into that vessel that was lost. That reignites that faith. That rekindles that passionate prayer. That gets them early to church when they were coming to late. Coming in late. There's something about the whirlwind that brings that second wind into somebody. And this is the reason I'm preaching to somebody here today. I know that 2023 may have been traumatic. It may have been anticlimactic and evil. It may have been dark and you may have had misunderstanding. There are a lot of things that you said in 2023 and maybe in 2022 that I'm going to do this for God and I'm going to get this in control and I'm going to be that but somehow light has hit us full bar put us back on our heels make us reacclimate and say what just happened well I guess I can't do that because of my imperfection because of my weakness because of my failure because of my yesterday and that's the plan of the enemy to get you doubting that you can ever move forward. But God cannot have you as just an accessory on the sideline. When God filled you with the Holy Ghost and called you out of sin, God put a plan upon your life. God put a calling upon your vessel. And he can't have you just sitting there wasting away in your own failure and unbelief. So he allows the storm to come. He allows the whirlwind to visit that he may speak to you again out of the whirlwind Ah, musicians come I'm almost finished speaks to you out of the whirlwind that's why the stories of Jesus life are so amazing Especially when he's on the sea, the storms are there. Jesus don't wait till the storm is finished to speak. He speaks in the middle of the storm. He speaks right in the middle of it happening. But as he speaks, things begin to unwind. Its powers begin to dissipate. Its authority goes into oblivion. It's purpose past. It's darkness bound. As God speaks out of the whirlwind. Elder, I don't know what's going on. But I know what I feel in the spirit. I've never preached this before. God brought me here to say that his way is in the whirlwind. Some of you are holding broken pieces. Some of you are looking at shattered dreams. Some are looking in the mirror of reality of failure. I'll never get it back. The enemy says to quit. 
trade it in, throw it away, just to say, well, bygones will be bygones. It'll never happen. I guess it wasn't for me. stress that you are under, the pressure that you're going through, the struggle, 21 foot in front of the other, the stress of wondering if you're going to make it, the mental anguish, the times when you get alone because that's the only way you feel accepted is there. God didn't send the whirlwind to humiliate you. God sent the whirlwind to reacclimate you and reorient you back to the place where you need to be. I want to speak to this church. Oh, the devil's tried his best. He's still trying. Can't do nothing unless God allows him to do it. He has no power and authority. <laughs> He's just a vassal. He's just a small thing. He's God's slave. The only thing he can do is God gives him permission. And God denies him more than, more than he ever allows him. The devil thought he's to do this for evil. No. God said, his work they is in the whirlwind as I was praying walking around the front I could get into the weeds today I believe there's 200 and some instances where the term God and his way are combined in scripture God and God's way something about God's way. His way is perfect. Sometimes our humanity brings an imperfection. We like to get off of God's way and we like to make detours. We like to stray to the left or the right. We like to self-justify or we like to sin. But I tell you what the whirlwind does. It funnels us back ways of God. It brings us back to center. It brings us back to the place of total dependence and surrender to the wheel, the work, and the word of God. The storm isn't to judge you. It's just to reorient you and put you back where you belong the entire time. Can I tell you, I've been through enough life, I've lived enough life and been through enough storms. So yeah, there are some storms that just happened, and I don't know all the reason why. There are some storms that I brought on myself. But I tell you what, in trust and obedience and submission to the time and will and plan of God, every storm always brought me right back to the center of His will. Allowed me to start again afresh. Give me fresh appreciation for the truth, for his presence, for his mercy, for his grace, and for his love. Every storm. He 
eradicated the detour and brought me back to the ways of God. As for God, His ways are perfect. Let's stand here today. Oh, Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Let's open our heart to the Lord Jesus. I open myself to you, Jesus. I open my heart, my mind, my spirit, my mind, my will to you. Jesus, I love you. so busy fighting and resisting the storm screaming into the wind that you're not hearing the still small voice that's trying to direct you out of it God's ways are in the whirlwind if you find a place here this evening just lift your hand and open your heart to him. You'd find his spirit just as real as it was the first night you found him. Just as powerful and intimate as the times when he spoke to you the reasons and direction for your life. His ways are in the whirlwind. I'm telling somebody here, you're frustrated with life. You're doing everything that you can. You're trying to bail out the ship. You're pulling at the oars as hard as you can, trying to make it to shore. But God's way is in the whirlwind. God's way is in the storm. He wants you to realize how close he is on the bow of your boat. He wants to recognize you. He wants you to recognize him walking the waves. He's got the power. He wants to speak a word. He wants to reorient you with his power and authority over the forces of nature and life of problems and turmoil. He still has his way in the whirlwind. As we begin to pray, these altars are open. Somebody needs to walk down to the front. Maybe you need to grab a spouse's hand or a friend's hand and say, hey, I know you've been going through it. I know you don't understand it, but I want you to know that God has his way in the whirlwind. Somebody needs to lift their hands to God and say, God, I may not understand it in the here and now, but God, you're bringing me back to faith. 
faith. You're bringing me back to those deep commitments and convictions. You're bringing me back to consecration. You're calling me out of carnality. You're bringing me out of self-righteousness and self-reliance. And I'm coming back. God, you have your way in the whirlwind. Come on, somebody. There needs to be a lifting up of voice. There needs to be a releasing of emotions. Come on. You may be in the whirlwind right now, but God has his way both in the whirlwind and in the sanctuary. This is the place where the hurt and the healer collide. This is the place where the messed up and the healer of the years come together. You're in the perfect intersection of God's plan and God's will. He's in control in the sanctuary and in the whirlwind. Come on, sir. I know sometimes we got that stiff upper lip. We don't want to see have anybody see us cry. We don't want anybody think that we're inferior. Come on. Let God use the storm to reorient you, to bring you back to deeper faith and reliance, to bring you back on the first service in 2024 to that place where you have fresh faith and fresh zeal and deep worship and appreciation for the things of God. He's in control. Thank you. 
is still moving. Come on, there's more that's here. Come on, if you be honest and reach for the Lord. Uh, maybe find somebody next to you to help me to pray. I'm in the storm. I want to quit, but I hear a voice. I hear a calling. I hear a determination. I feel a tugging of another world. God wants to speak to you how the world went. Shut tight, 